listener, how are you? We hope you're well this week. Thanks for coming <laughs> back. Um, because we'd be lonely without you, wouldn't we, guys? Yeah. We would. I'm so glad you turned up. Yeah, yeah. I know, I really right? Who are one loyal listener? We adore Thank you. Goodness. Anyway, we are back. Sorry about that. It's last week wasn't punishment enough. We're back again. We've got another podcast. <laughs> and uh, and so if you've never listened to this podcast before, well done. And if you have listened to this podcast before, you'll know that I am Ferguson. I am Harrington. I'm Hawks. And I'm Kindler. It's Damien Kindler. Huge applause there from our one listener out there in the world. We have two listeners now because there's also a wolf behind me. Yeah, what's the thing with a wolf? Are you trying to scare people? What's the deal? I'm in my my youngest son's bedroom. And because my boy is studying... (laughs) Your youngest son is a wolf? He's a wolf, yeah. I know. (laughs) This was on his bed and... Believe me, you do not want to see what is behind the wolf. Oh, really? Yeah, it's 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 a mess. So, my, Chrissy, my wife said, just don't, if you're going to do it in there, just make it look like presentable to some extent. So, I is, thought, there, is there a dead caribou carcass behind that? <laughs> yeah. that is. Yes, uh, several. <laughs> have you actually, Damien? You're Canadian. Have you ever seen a wolf up front? Like, have you ever come face to face with a wolf? No. Because I don't think I'd, I don't think I don't think I'd be here. At the, they're very shy. I, listen, I can tell you a lot about wolves because I've just watched some Yellowstone, and so that um, makes me, you know, a television expert. Um, but they're very <laughs> shy. You are a television expert, though. They're very shy, and apparently they are the spirit animal of um, very handsome, um, filson-clad uh, Hollywood actors. So are you part wolf then, Damien? I was going to say, how do you... Did you see that? How smooth was that? (laughs) Are you part wolf? Because you're a guy who knows about um, scary Hollywood things. You are our TV expert. And like, because I noticed, you are... How many series, though, now have you written or created? Quite a lot, right? It's sort of like rings on a tree, you know? I I would have to ask um, uh, my urologist to pull up my last colonoscopy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we look through. <laughs> and look yeah, to it see looks like many. you've done a lot. Of wow, fiction. you've done. You've been around. Yeah, he has <laughs> been around. Yeah. yeah, because it looks like we've got elbow marks up there. Like it's terrible. So, um. <laughs> no, you're an interesting fellow. A very interesting fellow, Damien Kindler. Because, well, I met you through your lovely wife, right? Because I don't even know this, but uh, Damien's wife, Jill Jabodi. She did my storytelling class, and then that's how I met Damien. Uh, she's a brilliant storyteller as well. And then I met Damien, and then you're like, oh, hello, proper TV writer, creator. And there's, like, although you are, because you are part wolf, I think, because you're shy and retiring, but quite handsome as well. Wouldn't you say he's handsome, boys? I'd say he's a little too handsome for my liking, Yeah, to right. Be yeah, an industrial accident is in the offing. <laughs> well, I, you, you, you say that I'm part wolf, but I, I think that there's there's actually a, a, a terrible kind of uh, tragic cuddliness that comes into play. I can all if I'm at a party, yeah, with lots of people that I know and have known me for a while. So I don't go to parties anymore. Yeah. Uh, is because <laughs> I, I? I will be talking to someone. Usually, it's some very nice uh, person who or or some innocent young female who's like asking advice uh from me which is a huge mistake but you know, i'm trying to prepare the point is i'm trying to appear professional 
and knowledgeable and wise and you, you know and um suddenly i'll look at her and go what time is it and she'll go um i'll go is it 12 30 in the morning and she'll go, yeah i think it is and i go oh my god because at 12 30 in the morning one or many of the people i know have had just enough um imbibery that they come up behind me and start going wooga 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 with my beard and blah, 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 with my hair and like I'm some sort of Teddy, what is it, Paddington. And as though this is the way, it's just something like when the nice drunks see me, they're just like, I gotta get some of that, the fluffy mat, you know. And so I don't think Wolf really covers it, is what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know, Cuddly Wolf. Cuddly baby wolf. <laughs> there definitely is something about you, Kindler, where you go, Thank oh, you. wouldn't you want to knit that guy a sweater? Do you know what I mean? Like from a code? woman's point of view. Is that code sometimes. for something? <laughs> that euphemism. I'd like to knit that fellow. <laughs> no, from a All woman's point of view. <laughs> sometimes you look at a man, you're like, oh, they look a bit scary, or they look like a hard worker, or they, you know, they look friendly, they look... And, and the category I'd put Damien in was, you know, sometimes I'd quite like to knit him a sweater, just to see how cuddly he looked in it. Anyway, Chesney, do you want to get your structured out for now oh yeah, yes sure out, <clears throat> i'll get my structure out uh, so just so uh, that you know what you've let yourself in for here mr kindler so every every week we have uh, <laughs> we have a very special guest which right. this week happens to be the cuddly wolf bear guy called damien kindler and uh, so we ask our guest um, to give us a quote that they'd lived their life by or something that means something to them. And, uh, and we talk about that for a little while. And then um, after a little while of talking, uh, then Lynn will, will do a little bit of magic, which we'll get to later on. Ooh. And uh, yeah, no rabbits, yeah. no Sweater hats. conjuring. And then after a, a, a little while, I will perform a song that means something to you emotionally uh and uh and i will i'll do that for you and then um we will talk about that and uh that's pretty much it that is the structure of our podcast and that's what you've let yourself in for the you haven't mentioned neil no i know i I thought i'd let neil neil talk and 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 tell damien what his what his involvement is because there's nothing to talk about there's nothing to mention He's kind of the Carl Pilkington of the whole thing. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Spot on. Absolutely. No, he's got more talent than I That's that's Um, brilliant. So we'll start you off, Damien. We'll start off with your fabulous quote, which um, I I love this because I actually, I felt like an uneducated Neanderthal human being. I'd never thought about this before. It's wonderful. So Damien's quote, uh, being right is the booby prize. Um, and I've had a little dig to, to just to tee you up, just to set you off, Damien, before we, we get into how that came about and, and, and why, you, um, why you, you like to think of that saying like that. So do you want to be right or happy? Can one be both? If you're happy to live in your head, focusing on yourself, And if growth relationships or humility aren't priorities, then maybe. If you want to develop good relationships with others consistently, it's never helpful to create a dialogue that makes them wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong. When we're fixed on being right, we invariably force deeper divides, separation and active fault-finding mindset of others too. So that's a, a loose 
outline, but obviously this uh, is probably something in life. Some some good Where, you find that, stories yeah? coming down. Um, it, it was um, I oh, sent it to you. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the interwebs. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But over to you as to you know how, how you um, how you decided that that saying was what it was because it's very powerful. I have to say, it's very powerful. It it is now. May I offer a, 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 a caveat-ish apology in advance? Uh, I, I'm terrible at talking about myself uh, in any kind of uh, coherent fashion. That's because um, you need a sweater, Damien. That's what it is. You need someone to knit you a sweater. At least a scarf and, and you know those you know those thunder jackets that the dogs wear. Yeah. I should yeah, have like a right. thunder sweater. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so you know that quote came my way uh, from a few different directions over the past couple of years, and I I would say that since the beginning of COVID, as everybody on earth has been dealing with there's just been a great unraveling there's been a, a great reckoning and almost a watershed for people whether they were going to lean into all the you know the issues that they've been running away from uh, or whether they were going to keep running and, and double down and I don't judge either way, actually, because, you know, depending on what you're going through, it's not like one is necessarily the healthiest yeah. choice. But for me, I was trapped uh, with my wife who, who of Scottish descent, so there was no hope. <laughs> to, <laughs> you were so <laughs> lucky. In that yeah, no, I was. You're lucky, I, bugger. I, I would say that what, 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 what I feel incredibly lucky is that, uh, for is, or grateful for, is that I... Um, I tend to do this where I, I ask the universe for something that I know that I really, really need, but terrifies me. But if I can embrace it, uh, I will come out the other end a, a more evolved person. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I had asked the universe for all sorts of things, to, you know, um, you know, mental health and, and physical health and, and b better relationships with people, better professional relationships because I wanted to continue to evolve as a, as a writer. I had had this kind of bittersweet, almost like hate, hate relationship with myself as a writer, you know, where it was like this, you know, like saying, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a jewel thief, male prostitute. And, um, um, <laughs> and, and also sometimes I write, you know, it was, uh, and so I had to, make, I had to embrace that. But the, where, the, where that quote came from is um, a, a mentor of mine, who has changed my life for the better and does every day uh, is a man named uh, Chick Egley. He's Charles Egley. He's a Emmy award-winning writer. And um, I met him because his daughter, Eli, who's now I think an executive at HBO, but back in the day was my assistant when I was setting up this show called Krypton. Um, and it was going horribly and all sorts of knives were out. And, um, me being the sweet Canadian, I was just constantly getting <laughs> stabbed just in the cafeteria line. You know, uh, <laughs> people would pull their Teslas over and just <laughs> have have at him. He won't do anything. So, um, so Eli, uh, who's a very, very strong-willed, brilliant, and fiercely loyal woman, 
said, you need to talk to my father. He's been through this. He's been through, you know, he's, he's done all sorts of stuff and you need to talk to him. So I finally reached out to him and met him at a car wash in the Palisades. And uh, Chick <laughs> is this, he's this, he's this guy who's kind of wears hip hot, he'll wear like, you know, a fuck Trump hat sideways and a not my president thing and like really expensive uh uh, Air Jordans and kind of like he he looks like a hip hop producer, but he's a guy from uh, from from Connecticut who went to Yale, and um, oh but he's he's the most erudite and evolved guy. And so he um, he had been working with the, the the therapist Phil Stutz, who I don't know if you guys know. Who oh Phil yeah, Stutz I've seen is. the seen the uh, the, the Netflix movie, uh, ch- yeah. movie with uh, Jeremy right. Hill. So so Phil and Chick have known each other for I think. 25 odd years and um so we the point being my next a few projects later uh, chick asked me to join him in, in making the show american gods which i leapt at my agent's like don't do it it's a shit storm and the money's crap and i'm like i want to work with this man he's he will make me a better human and a better writer so i started to work with him and um it was just the most wonderful experience because he is he's like something out of zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance everything is just like take him take take time the universe will you do not have to rush you know when you are trying to to do something well and he just he he writes in longhand he burns through black wing pencils and you know it's just it, so i was very inspired walk, working with him and he was so generous to me he was always praising me and he never hands out false praise and what he taught was that um so much of our job is to manage other people's fears and yeah. to manage our own fears and the way to do that is to work just like an alcoholic will have to work for the rest of their lives to remain sober, we have to work on removing ego from everything we do. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where he, he, you know, I think the first time I heard him use it in the writer's room, we got the first set of notes on uh, some scripts from, I can't remember if it was the studio, probably the studio before the network. And I went, but... But we did it. Like, you know, the, the, they, they're asking for us to fix something that's already... If this has happened to every writer. It's like, it's on page three. They just didn't read it. And, you know, and you're ranting and raving, you know, having a tantrum. And he would look at me over his very beautiful uh, tortoiseshell um, glasses. And he'd be like, but, but being right is the booby prize. <laughs> now, now what? Yeah. And I, would, I can remember kind of just staring out at the, at the tree outside the writer's room for about five minutes going, like, oh, shit. You know? and, and I had since, I had since foisted this on other very close friends of mine, a friend of mine who's a, 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 a showrunner on the, those Real Housewives shows. So he's really had to manage egos. And he was oh, going God, on. Yeah. And, and he literally was holding a tequila, kind of sitting with the one hand on my kitchen counter and talking about it. And I said, but, you know, being right's the booby prize. And he just froze and <laughs> stared at the floor. And then literally, like, Mar- like Martin Sheen, when he's talking to Marlon Brando in the hut, he's just like, being right is the booby prize. <laughs> and so <laughs> it just became this way, uh, a motto for getting your ego out of the way. For sort of right. checking yeah. your own pulse of how are you more interested in being right? Or are you more interested in the flow of what's happening, the project you're working on, the the, the collectivity yeah. of it all? Because if 
if we're talking about me and we're talking about what I want, then we're fucked. If we're talking about the project, <laughs> we're talking about the story, if we're talking about others and engaging, then we're, I think, on the right path. And the other part of the being right, being the booby prize, is that it removes any form of transactional relationship aspect, which is that you, you do not help others expecting something back because that falls into yeah. that. Mm. Look, you know, you owe me this because I did that. See how right I am? Yeah. Like, it's the same ego-driven thing. And, and you know, Lynn, you'll, you'll know this in, 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 in you know, to, to, to the many multitudes, which is that when you help people with stories, it mm. honestly doesn't matter if you give someone the perfect idea that they go on and make a billion dollars with on some show because yeah. you have helped that person and the universe and karma, it always comes around. Ideas come around and goodwill comes around and you do not have to go, where's my change? You have to say, that's what we're here for, end. End yeah. of sentence. And that, I think, gives us huge amounts of peace when we're not wondering if we're right or we're wrong and you know what's in it for me and am I going to get fucked and you know all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, I think that in a short answer, that saying tends to keep me honest. I think yeah. as well, the, it's funny because I said to someone yesterday who's desperate for this project to go well, and I, <laughs> I said, you know, perfection doesn't really exist as a good thing. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, if you want something to be perfect, then you're really just wanting it to be intimidating. You want to intimidate <laughs> whoever it is that you're showing it to, and that's why you need it to be perfect. Because Yeah, perfection is the enemy of... The yeah, perfection <laughs> is the enemy of good. Yeah, it's the enemy of uh, new. Like in the Renaissance, they used to willfully make mistakes in buildings and everything because they believed that perfection was an insult to the eye of God, right? That, yeah. that God was the only person, or the, the only person. <laughs> how, how bloody uh, Christian upbringing is that? God is the only person, he's a man, he's got a white beard. God <laughs> and sandals. Is, is the only entity that is entitled to perfection. For the rest of us, we connect through our imperfections, not through our perfection. I agree with that, though. I mean, and if not, not necessarily in a, a religious bit, and I would say in a spiritual thing, which is that hmm. you've got to have some egotistical balls to say that you need to be perfect. That is, yeah. that in a way, you could say is the Lord's work. Like you, you know, that is for hmm. the divine, whatever you choose to call it. The humanity and the flaws and, and all that is what binds us. It's what connects us. And you're really, yeah. in, in obsessing over perfection, you are denying those beautiful accidents that create art. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you're really, really giving that no shrift, you know? No, sometimes the mistakes are where it all comes from. That's where the magic you know, you, comes when you have control. Where the magic comes in, those little right? mistakes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the state of flow allows for... Um, it, it takes away the, the, the how can I put it, the, the model of good, bad, perfect, you know, it, it just, the state of flow is it is what it is. It's happening. You are honoring it. Mm. You're getting out of the way so it can happen. You're just a kind of a conduit for it. And, um, and I think, you know, that, that's, that's, you can't just sort of go, ah, I figured it out. Now forevermore, I shall be the Dalai Lama with a typewriter. You have to, it's, you, you really, you really are, you have to, the, the hard part is you're going to do this work for the rest of your life. 
mm-hmm. if you want to to stay in the moment. And yeah. you know, the- no, nobody's perfect, and no, nobody is. I always flinch when people say, "Yes, but I'm a perfectionist." <laughs> you want okay, to good luck, poor fucker. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to work with you <laughs> anymore. I'm a perfectionist. No. <laughs> what they mean is, I want to piss other people off. Yeah. Secretly, I'm quite annoyed about shit because I'm always right. Right, and that's what I said. Yeah. my son said yesterday where I said um, that nobody needs to be perfect and he said you can't say that and I said why and he said because that disputes the whole theory of capitalism and I was like what? shut up and go to your room <laughs> you're goddamn right it does <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he talks like that he does he's and that he yes <laughs> that's so good that disputes the whole theory of capitalism I I also think that in our world that perfection uh, equals something being uh, box tick and finished. Mm. And how the hell do you define something as finished in our creative worlds when you're making a a film or a piece of audio? Well, you have to at some point say that's it, though, don't you? Well, you do. Well, someone has to pull the thing out of your hands. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's what. Exactly. That's exactly the point. What to a creative person is finished, and and what defines that in the stage? And I have to step back whenever I'm doing a project like like that, and there's always you know there's too much reverb on that snare, or yeah, or you know the the guitar could do with a little le- less high eq or you know all those stupid things that we that we obsess over yeah. i have to step back and just say okay i'm done i think but that, <laughs> it's I done think that's the right it is. thing <laughs> and then let I it go that's the right thing. yeah that's getting out of the way There's yeah exactly right. it's getting out your own way right and where you have to stop before you go into the next cycle because writing really is about being in the state the state of flow if you're doing like creative writing <clears throat> so that if you write something, you write from an initial idea where you're like, oh, I like this idea, that's going to be mm. awesome. And then you get to a point where that idea is kind of finished. Yeah. <laughs> and the, But you've already started the next idea. And if you don't let it go at the end of that first segment, then that's when it screws up. Wouldn't you say, but, Damien? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I, I think about projects like you know writing and whether it's collaborative or alone it's it's like having children there's mm. all sorts of exciting moments and then there's these really boring exhausting moments and but you can't just sort of trade them in you know at the hospital i'd like the even though you like to when they say yeah. that it's the whole point oh, of capitalism i've tried <laughs> i have tried <laughs> yeah. i've tried and and they will try to do this with me at the old age home. They could we swap this old fucker out for someone with a better sense of humor? Um, and someone that doesn't so, wear a diaper. Yeah, but you have to kind of build the relationship with your work so that you are its advocate and not yeah. uh, it, it's it, you know you're helping shepherd it the way you know. There's guidance counselors and teachers and coaches and stuff, but you know you are the the expert on your children, and I think intuitively we are the experts on our work as long as it's not about us it's about the work that we're but, we're but with for. your with what you do and i and i think it's different from from songwriting um what i do is is that when you've you've written a script and then you get it on set and then you've got it in front of you know with actors and actors are interpreting what you mean and everything else things probably change right they're they're in the moment so you have to kind of, do. you probably have to give up quite a lot of 
what you've written uh, or or think of think of it in a different way because it probably feels different coming out of that actor's uh, mouth you know is that well, true? A, that's very true it's a really good point but i would i would say that there's a very sim- deep similarity which is you know when you're performing you're teaching your song to a band you're going to play it live or you're yeah. going to record a different you're adding string section things have to kind of evolve i i was i've been lucky enough to direct and i would never say i'm a director but i would say that i'm a a producer who can direct <laughs> so right they let you at it hum- huh <laughs> well it's very, it's very humbling <laughs> because what you realize is that you really better fucking hope that it changes because yeah. if it stays in the same that, that you were had inside your little cabin it's <laughs> really going to be like you're everyone else will be like <laughs> and you'll be like yeah. it's amazing aren't i great it's you know because it's just like right. I, so you you have you want to kind it to come of come to life Oh, yeah. And you can feel the kind of, you know, lava bile, you know, when, when some <laughs> snotty, beautiful, really well-paid actor comes in and goes, hey, listen, man. So I'm thinking you don't need all this shit. You know, I think it's just about me. And I think it's about the thing. And we just, you know, play it with like me saying this. And you can just feel this kind of, you know, Herbert Lum, twitchy kind of. And you have to kind of, you have to kind of breathe. Because nine times out of ten, if not every time. It, even if the guy puts it like an, an idiot, he's probably right that he's seeing it from some other perspective. You can't, mm. and you have to honor that. Yeah, and, and he's betraying that character and embodying that character. And he's doing if it. If he's yeah. going to do it, then it's, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You can't enforce a baseline on a basis if he's like, "But I'm feeling it this way." You go, "No, yeah. play it yeah. like that." Oh, yeah, okay, Aaron Sorkin. You know, you don't need to make me. <laughs> so, but I but I no, realized I, that, that entrusting people with that it's always better. And what's great mm. is if you really want to be a, a saucy shit, later you can go, well, of course, that's my process. Is once we get to the stage, everything changes. It's not. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, but it is, it is trust about trust. Did you enjoy the directing process? Or is it something that you're going to carry on doing? Or I, I loved it. Uh, I really loved it. Uh, it, it because... Uh, I started doing it because I was as, when I was show running, I would be bossing around these poor directors and saying, well, just shoot it. Come on. We wrote this whole scene in the airport. Just shoot it. You know? <laughs> and uh, and get the perspective. Yeah. So I felt in order to not come off like a, a complete moron, I should start to direct. And the first time I directed was fucking terrifying. I bet. And, <laughs> but then I, I think the th- second or third time I did, it was a musical episode, which I had written all these songs with our, composer um and it was amazing it was like the best thing we had playback it was like shooting a kind of a, a almost a, wow. a musical like a chicago type thing and i i really felt uh everybody trust the crew trusted me i trusted them the cast and i had known each other for years so it was like it's easy to direct when you're in your home base with your home right. crew and your home if you're traveling around you know what's the house band <laughs> yes it, that's it's it it's just not the same you know? <laughs> yeah i know that i want to ask about the uh, style of writing that you do or you're primarily known for because you're an in- interesting because you're sort of you polymath you do all lots of things right but, like, uh, I guess people would know you for uh, Sanctuary uh, or Stargate for primarily uh, sci-fi stuff, you know, like, um, but but it sort of is, like, reflecting the human condition, but within um, 
you know, fantastical creatures or whatever. Where where does that come from? Is it through uh, working? Because when we were talking earlier on, you were talking about uh, being right is the booby prize. I was like, oh, because it sounded, like, and you're talking about the therapist and that. I'm like, oh, wrestling with monsters. That's why I hear the wrestling with monsters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does writing help you wrestle with your monsters? Uh, yes. That is that is the part of the gratitude, which is that any kind of creative endeavor that you get to do, you know, um, is, if you do it well and you're open to it, is incredibly therapeutic, whether you like it or not. Mm. Uh, you don't have a choice if you're going to open yourself up. But do you make to- your monsters from things that you are struggling with? See, well, you try to be private, but it ain't going to work. Yeah, we're going to keep <laughs> digging in your underwear. <laughs> um, oh, yeah? Well, <clears throat> <laughs> well, first of all, in, 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 in this, I, it is a little aggravating because people do, I've been to many, many interviews and, and general meetings, and I was at one last week where the guy said, you know, you, you're really accomplished, you've got a lot of experience, you've done this for almost 30 years. But it seems like you really just do the science fiction stuff. So, you know, how would how do you translate that into writing drama? And I'm always like, there's just no difference. Yeah, it's no. still drama. It's still the human condition, and you have to care about the characters. And also, the big litmus test for any genre is that mm. you should be able to strip away the, 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 the high-concept gag, the time travel, mm. the wizards, the dragons... And the story of the people and what they're going through should be able to stand on its own in a drama. Yes, it should totally. be. Yeah. And so, you know... You know what you say to people like that, Damien? You say nouns. How do you change sci-fi into uh, period drama? Nouns. Instead of some big scary monster, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, eating, blah, blah, blah. You go, well, there's Catherine the Great. And she's having sex with her horse, right? Like you can totally. I don't know why that came into my head. <laughs> I don't believe Catherine the Great had sex with her horse. I think you do, Lynn. I think you do. Let's talk about that. All story is structure. Is structure, and the it's like the um, the sound of orchestration, and it, it's fa- it's fascinating well, when you, people you, do say that thing of how do you make it into that? You're like, well. No? Well, it, ha- it, it has to pass that. That's kind of the big litmus test. Like, you know, for instance, um, so I've just finished writing this pilot, mm-hmm. uh, which is set in a very fantastical world with his, you know, monsters and, and other forms of life, intelligent life on Earth. And it's all very kind of mixed into the world. And there's a, other realms we haven't been to and um, crazy shit. Uh, very men in black, you know. And but but what has to happen for that story to make sense is it's really about a woman who uh, has suffered such severe trauma that she has buried the memories of that trauma and is running from it, but is so aware that that trauma has to be unpacked that she can't actually end her life like she wants to. She every time she tries to kill herself, she realizes that there's a mystery in there that just is preventing her. And so it's, a, it's really about a woman who's been running from her, her painful past and how the bill has come due because someone has died and left her something which is going to force her to reckon with, with this past. 
and it need not have one winged bat in it. It can just ha- you know be about yeah. this 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 woman hiding and someone leaving her a house. It could be anything. So yeah. within the human condition, it has to be standing on very very firm foundations, and then you can bin- build in the world building around it. But if yeah. it doesn't have a beating heart, no one's going to give a shit about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. totally. That makes utter sense. That really does. That's beautiful. Yeah. Do you know what comes into my head though with it, right? Because I like I think that uh, that all genres can swap, right, by the changing of nouns, right? You change the nouns and the settings. If the yeah. key to it is right, apart from bad horror, because when those teenagers go camping at the lake, you're like, <laughs> nobody does that. Like yeah. nobody goes camping at the lake in Halloween. Nobody does that. I mean, <laughs> I, I can I can give you a, a beautiful example. One one of my favorites is I, I really loved the movie Gravity. Um, yeah, you know, one of the better two handers <clears throat> I can yeah. think of. But you know, all the incredible craft of how they made that and and everything aside, it's about a woman who is grieving the loss of a child and has died inside. Mm. going through an experience from which she can then be reborn. And um, the the imagery, if you watch it with the sound off, is perfect. She's dead inside, unable to connect, even with this very handsome, charismatic George Clooney astronaut. And um, she just cannot connect with people because she's keeping the world at bay because of her pain. She survives this unbelievable um, ac- space accident and makes it to this... Chinese uh, space station where she just is so fucked up she takes off all her stuff and her air poses around her and you see her floating in the fetal position like a baby mm. just trying to rest after this and then when she goes down to earth and splashes down she crawls out of this ocean onto this mud this almost primordial mud and she gets up and the camera is looking right up like she's a giant and she's reborn out of the mud and it just to me that's what the movie's about all the other stuff yeah. with the space stuff, it's just there to enhance. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, kind whereas of for simplicity. me, Damien, it's the you soul. know where I'm at? I'm at George Clooney as the handsome astronaut. <laughs> if I was buying yeah. that project, I'd be like, oh, you got George yeah. Clooney as a handsome astronaut? That's where I'm at. Astronaut Ferguson, did you did you destroy that spaceship so we could be together? <laughs> I also relate it to like a good, you know, a good song. A good song can be stripped down to just an acoustic and, yes. and a, a good song could also be, you know, with a swing band, you know, an 80-piece orchestra or something, you know, it, it, as, yeah. as long as you have that song, the soul of the song, um, you know, that's the, that's the important part. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a top-line melody with an idea that, yeah. I mean, I was talking about this with Joey because we have all this vinyl. I pulled out Lionel Richie. <laughs> And, and, you know, we're kind of looking at all this stuff. You know, he's wearing all these great pastel clothes and this yeah. shiny hair. And it, but honestly, when you put on All Night Long, it just, you're in it. But yeah. then you put on Hello. Yeah. And it's just like the most simple, yeah. elegant, minimalistic notes. And my wife began to sing every, every lyric, which... Uh, made me run from the house going, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> is it me uh, but, but, you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> is there something in your eyes? She went on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> when you sing hello every time that you pull, because I thought you were going to say that. Anyway. I pulled out a, a Lionel Richie album and I went, hello. <laughs> I've got to do my magic now because Chesney, yeah, despite good. the fact that he looks adorable, is a time 
Nancy yes. and Ian like, oh, get the timing right. Come on, yeah. Ferguson, get on with it, I know. woman. Yes. Right, so uh, I do. You've done read. I've done reading on you before, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like I do a little thing where, I, yeah, yes, you don't do that innocent knit me a sweater look, right? <laughs> he looks a little scared. Oh, what is it they call it in, in the Banshees of Innocent? The town gob. Or the, the town gob. I love that. Film. I watched that the last village night. Village gob. Yeah. Me too. Funny. Oh, you watched it last Great. night? How fun. I did. Ah, yeah. Synchronicity. Right. So I'm going to ask you to tell me a story for two minutes. Well, you're just going to tell me about this subject for two minutes, right? Just speak honestly. You don't have to make anything up. Just speak from your perspective. Two minutes. See? Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you what I hear, okay? Now, w- what's the topic? Well, I'm just about to get to that. I would say... <laughs> Patience, young man. Well, you know what? The thing is, is I can't focus because I'm still here going, oh, George Clooney is a handsome <laughs> You know the only thing that would be better than that? Lenny Kravitz is a handsome astronaut. Yeah. His hair Lenny would get in the Kravitz. way. You wouldn't be able to put the, the helmet oh. on. <laughs> He wouldn't need yeah. a helmet on. He's so cool. He doesn't need a helmet. That's yeah, true. He doesn't need a helmet. I would work so for the, free to work with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, me too. Huh? He's amazing. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the topic is diamonds. You're going to tell me about diamonds. Are you ready, Damien? And go. Uh, I've been married to my wonderful partner and wife, Jill, for um, coming up on, I want to say, 27 years this summer. And we've been together 34, 30, yeah, something like that. So anyway, at some point we reached an anniversary where I, uh, where I think it was the diamond and I forget which one is the diamond anniversary because, you know, the years blur when you're with someone so wonderful. Uh, but (laughs) I had this idea because Jill and I had the first trip Jill and I took, uh, when we were just still college students at university, we went canoeing. So I thought, you know, for our, whatever it was, our, you know, 15th or, you know, anniversary that I would buy her a canoe. And so I, I went to her, she's one of four sisters and I, and I had, I'm going to get her this beautiful cedar strip canoe. It's going to be an art piece, but we could also use it together. It's a symbol of our love floating on the, you know, and I went to her sister, Sarah, her next youngest sister. And she literally, in my memory, she grabbed me by the lapels and said, diamond earrings, you fucking moron. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking canoe. (laughs) No, fuck the canoe. And I was like, it was a cold water. I'm like. Diamond earrings, of course. I mean, the bottom of the canoe will be made of... Like, what should I do? So, yeah, I ended up scrubbing the canoe. So whenever I think of diamonds, I think of a canoe uh, being the opposite of diamonds. (laughs) That makes any sense. Uh, uh, How much time do I have left? Because I could talk about... You have 27 seconds left. Oh, okay. Uh, um, (laughs) So uh, we still have those diamond earrings, and um, I'm very proud of them. We still haven't a canoe. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but anniversaries are coming up so <laughs> who knows what could happen diamond crusted canoe yeah. she's a lucky woman it's valentine's right? day is, is, is she is she a lucky woman <laughs> uh, well happy, done. happy valentine's yeah. darling yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because we're up Shit's Creek, love. Oh. Yeah, right. So. We might need. Yeah. It's so totally well, where's the fucking paddle, you idiot? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it so totally doesn't surprise me at all. 
Kindler that that would be your story, right? Which, because uh, it really doesn't, I'm like, of course it would be. Um, diamonds is value. What you value, what you care about, which is obviously your missus, Jill, right? You care about Jill. And sometimes you're completely shit at showing how much you care about Jill because the way that your mind floats off into uh, what is beautiful is not the way that... Well, you're off. It's not really a surprise that you go to sci-fi in a way because in some ways, Damien, it must feel like you live in a sci-fi. <laughs> I think we're like, what's wrong with a canoe? A canoe would be, because you said, a canoe floating on the water is symbol of our love. <laughs> yeah, it's adorable and it is completely the value of beauty and whatever. Um, but... Uh, but the world looks back but the thing that you value is Jill Jill is what you value um, and the, the difficulty is not Jill the difficulty is uh, how to translate your sense of what is adorable to the person that you value the most you know what is um, that's a great example of actually is um, when it when you talked about the guy who said, can you translate sci-fi into drama? How could you do it? You just go nouns, right? Mm. Like nouns totally does it because you go, I thought I'm going to find her this beautiful canoe as a symbol of her love. You go, all right, sci-fi, right? <laughs> <laughs> or certainly out there. And then if you go, I'm going to uh, find her the most perfect diamond, a symbol of our love. People go, oh, look at you, adorable romantic hero. You probably have a horse, right? You look like George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, I look, no, well, that's it. Or uh, Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I'm go oh, Lenny, no, yeah. Do you know, did you see, I saw, sorry about this listener. I just, I have to say it. Have you seen Shotgun Wedding? Have you seen Shot the movie Shotgun Wedding? Yes, no. No, uh -uh. don't. Well, do it with the sound off. Well, it's funny. <laughs> Actually, it is a funny film. Jennifer Coolidge Fast is forward amazing to the Lenny it, Kravitz and she's Jennifer Coolidge, but mm -hmm. Lenny Kravitz doing comedy? Hello. Is he good? Oh, well, yeah, he, the man can do anything. He, he can really anything. can. He really, He really was in can. an episode of Better Things that uh, oh, was, it? was amazing. He was a direct, he played a director directing um, Pamela Adlin's character and she brings him home for dinner and her, her, Older uh, British mother is just shockingly inappropriate. And um, it all reminded me of how my mother can be sometimes. If she <laughs> Luckily, she'll never figure out how to use a podcast, so this will be stay with me. But, um, <laughs> but I was safe. I, You're safe. But I was also like, that guy really looks like Lenny Kravitz, but boy, is he an amazing actor. And uh, then it was Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, yeah he's no, so he, good. He can do comedy. He totally can do comedy. Anyway. Sorry for the digression there. Do you know what I loved about uh, I loved about that because obviously we we do this this podcast regularly and we have the guests and Lynn asks gives them their two minutes and everybody reacts in different ways and of course you know Lynn and you've you've done this before I get that but um, a lot of people don't quite know what to do and go off on random angles but I love that the writer just started telling a story <laughs> yeah and it had like an amazing end as well yeah that was brilliant <laughs> we was still don't have like, a canoe it's like oh yeah it wasn't random thoughts or whatever it was like this story writer and, and I've got a meaningful point at the end I still yeah. not got a fucking canoe <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's, what's the Monty Python joke with the Australians saying that you know, uh, you know, American beer is like making love in a canoe. It's just fucking close to water. 
but um you know i think that the, i first of all I, thank you neil i appreciate that because that is actually being light on your feet is such a uh you know a skill that you, you we all need and yeah it's born of of hundreds and hundreds of just general meetings where you're just saying hi and you walk in and they go all right kid what do you got what's your pitch for yeah. it? you know and you just go but i was told by my representatives that this was not you know um you <laughs> yeah. have to be ready you're you always ready, ready with like times. yeah with a pouch full of hash to sling at you know, <laughs> that whatever. sounds like a good day or a meeting or whatever i'm in sweeties yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can turn oh, awkward. I mean, George Clooney is a handsome astronaut, and you've got it there. That's all you would need in a day. I just a, George Clooney is a handsome whatever noun you want to just put yeah. in. Yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah handsome yeah, chicken. Imp- yeah, chicken salesman. Yeah. Uh, but Lynn, you must have encountered that too, where you just kind of realize that something's gone terribly awry, and you must reach into your bag of charm. Oh, jeez. There was the thing that comes to mind for me is, and, in, and we did this podcast live in Edinburgh um, last year. And but before the podcast, uh, we went for a, a, I was asked to judge um, a competition called So You Think You're Funny? And the boys came <laughs> to see it, which is, a, it's people who do stand up, right? And when I, or new stand ups, and when I started. <laughs> Well, when I still lived in Scotland or in London, I used to compare the heats of it. I used to be the compare host, the heats of So You Think You're Funny. And there was one, <laughs> there was one heat where everybody was so bad that nobody won the competition, right? The judges <laughs> refused to let any of them through. And it was the most incredible journey, right? Because your job as a host is basically what you're doing is you're saying to the audience, everything's going to be fine. Do you know what? I'm so glad you're here and I'm here and tonight is the night, right? And so the audience were like, woo! And then the first one came on and they were like, wait a minute, right? And then you go, yeah, you know, it's a competition. By the time it was like the seventh person who had like died and Scottish cricket. <laughs> it totally had gone from like any kind. It, it was the most brilliant learning experience because I would go in between them and just go, okay. Hey. <laughs> 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 yeah. Fuck me, there's another one in the wings. <laughs> you literally could see people going, oh no, right? And and another like, one. No more. <laughs> It was a well, you should, well, you yeah. could have done the, again the Monty Python thing where they had the seaside Proust competition <laughs> and they had all these different guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, and so uh, uh, Michael Palin, in his, I think it was a, a, a Manchester accent, was like, Nobody here has really encapsulated the genius of Proust, <laughs> so we're going to give the prize to the girl with the biggest tits. And then the whole crowd <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> well, it was it was a very interesting show because at the end of the show it felt like we'd all been through something. We'd <laughs> all been through a journey. Yeah, together. and as, and at the end of the show, like normally at the end of the show, you'd go, "Thanks for being here," and a blah blah blah. And at this one, I ended by going, "Sincerely, thanks." And we were like. It's okay, Lynn. <laughs> it's sort of like we meet sort of a bar. Yeah, yeah. Hug, hug your loved one. It's like hug your loved ones closer tonight, people. 
stay connected. Stay connected. Let's get musical. So I can't um, wait. I can't wait. You, okay, so you, you gave us a, a, a few songs. Um, I actually read the, the email that you sent to Lynn. It was like a, a it was like a stream of consciousness <laughs> to me. And, uh, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And uh, again, the writer, right? Again, the writer. Yeah, just yeah. The thoughts. You're just down. lucky. There you never got a canoe. Could I get a canoe? But one of the songs you chose, uh, and it was one of the first songs you chose, was "Maybe I'm Amazed." Um, and Paul McCartney. And I'm a huge Beatles fan, and obviously, who isn't a fan of McCartney? Um, just the greatest ever. And I thought, well, I'll choose that because obviously that will be the easiest for me. Well, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) What was I thinking? And and I chose to do it in the same key as McCartney. And McCartney's got this incredibly, you know, perfect kind of scream and high register that no one in the world could ever do. And it was just... But I, I stuck it through at the same key. I was I almost thought about like, okay, should I lower it? I'm like, no, if McCartney can do it. I'm going to do it. So I stuck it through in the same key. <laughs> so. Wow. I'm bl- amazing. Amazing. Because I don't know how you do that. <laughs> maybe I'm amazing. <laughs> or maybe not. No, you haven't maybe. heard it yet. You haven't heard <laughs> yeah, it exactly. yet. So it could be Lynn going, um, it could be Lynn going, thank you all for coming. <laughs> <laughs> hug your loved ones. <laughs> yeah, hug your loved ones. Yes. Why this song then, Damien? What, what's, what's the connection with um, Paul McCartney's Maybe I'm Amazed? Then? Um, there's something about that song uh, that um, is very aspirational. Like about, it's about that kind of amazing connection between people you love. But if you really listen to the lyrics, and, and you know, look, I, you know, I know you've had to scream them, but... <laughs> There's some very dark, tragic, you know, maybe I'm a man who's in the middle of something. Yeah. And yeah. maybe, you know, he doesn't really understand that I realize it's very about the kind of midlife existential crisis that we feel. Yeah. That I went, mm. ooh, this, is, this isn't just a kind of uh, yesterday. You know, it has, yeah, a, yeah. It, it, ha- it has a kind of dip. teeth to it, rock and roll teeth. And it, so it kind of has a cool spectrum of emotion from just kind of, has a great guitar solo. I love how one whole verse is just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. it just kind of ha- has it all in a cool yeah. way in terms of just what it's about, the lyrics, the arrangement. Um, you can tell there are some songs you, you never get bored of hearing. Mm. I, I still wait to get bored of certain Fleetwood Mac songs. I'm not. No, agreed. Um, and I think McCartney's Maybe I'm Amazed is right up there. Just like every time it's on, you're not like, oh, here we go. It's yeah. like, wow. Yeah. So. And and seeing him do it live, is, I always go into the YouTube and have a look at uh, some other versions and everything, just watching him do it live. And it's like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. I don't think it's one bead of perspiration on Nothing. Him. Just like, well, he just He just hits yeah. those notes and just, uh, he's just yeah. amazing. Well, toodaloo, hour three, you know. <laughs> Chesney has done you proud tonight. Have I? Because I, I've had a preview of this. But like he said, he's stuck in the key. And I was like, man, really? And wow. Honestly. Uh, don't don't build it up, Neil. Just play it. No, it's brilliant. So here you go, Damien. Can the just for you here is um, Paul McCartney's Maybe I'm Amazed by Chesney Hawks. Oh, wow. 
Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love you Maybe I'm amazed at the way you pull me out of time You hurt me on the line Maybe I'm amazed at the way I really need you In the middle of something That he doesn't really understand Maybe I'm a man Maybe you're the only woman Who could ever help me Maybe won't you help me understand Just for you, Damien Kinder. There's Chesney Hawks before. Holy shit. Maybe I'm amazed. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Chesney, <laughs> holy it? You fucking crushed that. <laughs> Didn't he? Right? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I oh, mean. Yeah. Fuck. Do I'm I giving it large on the piano at it? the same time as well, right? <laughs> I'm you just. Know, like, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm listening to. I'm, I'm actually. You're on a. I'm, you're on a piano right now. Like I'm. There's a oh yeah. <laughs> so you're on my piano, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, he's really fucking good at the piano. I got to steal it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but that was. I mean, listen, I. That is a really hard one to do, like you did, and you just sold the shit out of it. It was beautiful. Well, I think the only way to to go to approach a song like that is to just fucking go for it. You have, yeah. you have to, you can't hold back, you know, it's like, just do it. <laughs> you have a really, really amazing voice. Oh man, and, thank you. Uh, thank me? you, Damien. And it has a lot, it, you know, listen, what, the, the way people can have pretty voices, but you have a very like honest voice. I believe what you're singing. Right. You know, yeah. I believe you believe it too. You know, I, there's a kind yeah. of an honesty there, which I fucking love. And it's really a relief to me that I don't have to pretend to like what you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that would have been hard work, right? Yeah, you could just, you've done it again, darling. <laughs> you know the way to do it? A friend taught me this, which is you go, you. <laughs> you. You. 
Hey, Jesney, the thing I have to say, uh, this has never happened before, but... You know, Arthur, the little dog, is asleep. On, well, he lies in his bed beside, and like literally during your song, he like stretched and he went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Did he uh, go? Like he literally, I've never seen him enjoy a song quite as much. He enjoyed that. You I know mean, that? my dog yeah. Wally is the same. He's a real music dog. He doesn't care much about television or other things. But if you know, if you. You know, I have my little studio here, and by no means am I even in the same uh, zip code as what you're doing, Chesney. We me. might but, be in the same zip code, though. I don't know. I, no, you're not. Not creatively. Um, but I'll, <laughs> I, I've set up things in my back bedroom, you know, uh, to record. And, and whatever's happening, the dog just goes on the bed and lies upside down like an otter and goes into this <laughs> blissed out kind of llama thing. Because any kind of music just puts him in like this other state. Or even I mean, industrial techno. Would that anything. Have the same? I could be playing the fucking spoons from Newfoundland and it'd be good. I cannot tell you how how much that means to me chesney i honestly just thank you thank you thank oh you. my god you're so welcome no thank thanks for choosing that song i mean you know it's i i love mccartney love him you know i i, I he's if there was one artist that i would i would take on a desert island it would be him yep 100 one of the things we said about what we love about doing this show damien is we get to watch the guests face when they listen to chesney's <laughs> performance yeah. you know and man you were there you were in the zone right it's in fact you were in roll. McCartney zone cause you were doing the head the head was there yeah. so there it was lovely it was a beautiful thing to watch it was really so lovely. when I close my eyes you can still see me <laughs> I've learned something valuable. Uh, yeah, here. there you go. <laughs> well, if you have, it. if you can take anything away from this podcast, Damien. Yeah, we are a fountain of useless information. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock. We need to wrap up, Lynn. There's a final little gem. We a do. Thing, Although, do you know what's on my mind, Neil? Is I'm just like, this was a wasted opportunity for you, Chesney Hawks, to do hungry like the wolf. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it was. The backgrounds like that, oh, and I'm like, that could have been really awesome. So I have one last question for you, Damien Kindler, which is knowing what you know now. What advice would you give to your 16 year old self? I love that question. I, someone asked me that recently, and it's kind of an exercise you should do regularly. Yeah. I always more or less have the same thing which is if i could just teleport into my 16 year old bedroom and watch myself shit myself go what the fuck just happened you just teleported <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be cool so, yeah. that would be cool. i, I uh, what what i would love to say is uh you know it's something that doesn't without meaning to sound treacly or you know too saccharine is like just relax like just fear is about the future and guilt is about the past. You're an amazing guy. You, you're going to get everything you dream and more. Don't ever stop dreaming. Just, just calm down. Don't worry and stay, stay inside the belief that you are exactly the person you need to be. Like you're just very loved and you're good at loving people and just, if you're worried about what happens to you, 
chill. It's going to be better than you could possibly imagine. I don't want to spoil it for you. But there's this blonde with glasses. My God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, don't get the canoe, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a canoe in your future, darling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of this podcast. Can you believe oh, that? Oh, that could have gone on for another hour. I know, yeah. but you can't exhaust our listener in no, that way. Poor listeners true. out there, faithfully listening along. Thanks, listener. And Damien's given us a whole hour of his time, and he's been happy. Yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was just pleased to see us, and there was a canoe in his pocket. But he's <laughs> generally been happy and have enjoyed you been the whole experience. Have you been waiting to see that, Neil? Have you? I have. I've been. Have yeah. you, have you, <laughs> you, you remember that thing we said about the jokes? I know. Yeah, okay. I know. Lynn always says. I, if you've got a joke, just remember, just yeah. give it, just count to six. <laughs> I mean, I remember someone. Yeah. In inside every joke, though, though honestly, there's a little grain of joke <laughs> that will get through. Thank you. I, I feel. Thank you for that, Damien. What you're trying to say is that I was a grain funny, right? Just like it's ah, there. It, Water it. it. Feed it. Water it. Nurture it. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> may die it. a thousand times, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry um, about this. Guys. Can I quickly With say just th- 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 yes. thank you so much for this? And it just, this is the most fun I've had in a, a long, long time, at least since yesterday. Really? And I just, it's just been, what a Hamish experience. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. You've had fun doing this? You've had fun? I'll, wow. I'll do it again doing anytime. I'll, oh, will you? We, well, we'll ask uh, you back. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, we will do ask you back tomorrow. <laughs> no, tomorrow. We're doing, we're doing a, we another recording tomorrow with a woman who talks about money as an energy. She's really good. Oh, that's all right. So, yeah. yeah, no, you'd like her. And, but thank you so much, Damien, for coming on. And uh, and I love. Do you know it's funny? And I knew it would happen, but that's because you know. Omnipraise, whatever, is that you come on as my friend, and I've watched the boys going, We love him. He's <laughs> he doesn't even need to dress up in a like spaceship suit to be adorable. In fact, if you look at both boys right now, Damien, look, they both got that look in their eye, which is, We'd really like to knit him a sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Just, listener, we've come to the end of the podcast. But yeah. uh, and I'm sorry to tell you, we will be back. Um, so <laughs> get ready for that. But until the next time, I've been Ferguson. I've been Harrington. I've been Hawks. I've been Kindler. Thank you yeah. so much for being an amazing yeah, guest. Thank, thank you, you guys. Great. What a guy. Yeah, Kindler. You've been listening to Ferguson Harrington Hawks with Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. Whitman produced the source productions by, surprise, surprise, Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. 